Cricket Lasters with me, Neil Kagram. Today we're joined by Stuart Law. How you doing? I'm going well, mate. Um, you know, back to work now, so uh, not climbing the walls anymore um, outside in the fresh air. So uh, looking forward to the next couple of weeks as well. So let's take it all the way back for yourself. Um, you're born in Australia, uh, Brisbane. Um, where the, what's the earliest memories of the sport? Um, I was basically born with a cricket bat in my hand. Uh, came from a very sporting family. My father was a good cricket player, plus a good rugby player. Um, my grandfather was a good tennis player and cricketer. Uh, my uncles both played rugby and and a bit of cricket, not much, but um, you know. So I was born into a into into a sporting family, and I think I was about. I can't exactly remember the, the age, but it would have been about four or five when my, my grandfather ran at my mum and dad's house. Um, he put a tennis racket and a cricket bat against the back fence of the house and said, right, pick one and I'll teach you how to play it. Um, and for me, there was only one choice, you know, to pick the cricket bat. Um, had I chosen the tennis racket, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. I'd be on an island in the Bahamas or something like that, the way um, things panned out. But Look, to be honest, um, as I said before, born with a cricket bat in my hand, destiny was always cricket. And from a very young age, I, I only wanted to play cricket uh, and do nothing else. So who was your hero when you were growing up? Uh, well, first, first and foremost, I started with my father, you know, watching, watching him play grade cricket. Um, uh, played for Queensland Country as well. So uh, I remember, remember going watching him quite a bit. Um, and then as, as I got older, I didn't watch him so much. I was always off on the side playing with the kids that were there. And um, growing up, when I started playing proper cricket, you know, I, had, I was lucky enough to have a mentor in Greg Chappell, um, you know, one of, one of the greatest players that Australia's ever produced. Um, technically, you know, perfection and, you know, he had, he had power, poise, attitude, everything. And, you know, from, from there, I, I, I really love, uh, I love watching um Viv Richards uh you know the way he had the aggressiveness he, he took to each attack and you know just the no no backing down always standing up for a fight and you know Martin Crow was the was the, the finishing touch he was a mix, mixture of the both he he had a great technique but he also had immense power so um those three uh molded the way I wanted to play cricket uh I didn't try to be like them I didn't try to look like them I just I tried to have their attitude and the way they went and bet it and played the game. So when did Queensland first recognise your talents? I'm not sure what's the structure like back home. Is there an academy system? How did it? How does it work? Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty similar to here. Um, you know, I'm a bit long in the tooth now. Um, you know, I went through. I played played a lot of you know junior carnivals, representing your your region from from your state, um, and then interstate cricket. Didn't play every uh, in every state team, but you know, made quite a few along the way. And in Brisbane at that time, um, you know, I was only a 15-year-old making my A-grade debut um, in a one-day game, I remember. So I was lining up with guys like, you know, Kepler Vessels and um, Alan Border, Greg Ritchie, they were in my team. Um, so to, to as a 15-year-old, you know, schoolboy, it's it's quite an eye-opener. But, you know, from there, um, you know, we, we had a under-19 system, which was very strong. Um, I played two seasons, two years of that, um, and from there it was basically in that time in the grade system we didn't just have club cricket, uh, club sides. We had a had a Colts team which was the best up and coming, under eighteen to under twenty one players uh, playing in the competition as a team, with an older player 
maybe two older players at times to, um, to, to, to nurture your, your talent and teach you how to play the game of cricket. Because and I think there's a misconception that whilst you play with your teammates and you, you like age groups, um, you know, you don't learn a hell of a lot. Uh, and I think if you're a young man playing against a, a, you know, a man, um, you know, if you're a 17-year-old playing against a 28-year-old, you're going to learn a hell of a lot quicker. And, you know, if you've got people around you to teach you how to get through that, I think that's, um, that's a pretty good um, process for success. And that's what I had. I was lucky enough. I, I played men's cricket when I was very young. Um, came through the grades, so fifth grade, played with my father. Worked my way up through the through the grade cricket in you know, third grade, second grade, then into first grade, and you know in, in those days, mate, I had to score plenty of runs to be noticed to play for Queensland. Um, I remember scoring six hundreds in about eight bats, and I got invited down to practice. Um, this day and age, you get a sixty, and people expect you to to play for Australia. So um, it was a slightly different you know regime, slightly different program, but um, very glad I came through the the way I did, and you know I, I did it through basically weight of weight of you know performances yeah then when you eventually did get your debut um in the state side i think in your second game you got 170 um i think in the 1990 season as well you were averaging over 70 so you took the to the professional game like a dr water yeah second game um funny story about that uh, alan border was captaining the queensland side and you know, I'd made 179. We we lost a couple of days through, or a day and a bit through rain, uh, as you do in Brisbane at, at just before Christmas. It, it's quite thundery and and what have you. So we lost a couple of days and you know made 179. I thought, oh, we're going all right. We got the first innings points. Um, I was feeling pretty happy with myself and sat down in the news conference. And I remember AB standing up next to me when asked. You know, he got asked the question: Is this kid? You know, is he the next? You know, so and so is he going to play for Australia? And Alan got up and put his hand on my head and said, boys, he's done it once. Let's see if he can do it again. And then walked out. I went, okay, fair enough. So that, that, that didn't impress him, 179. Had to do it over and over again. So um, once again, a very valuable lesson. I learned a lot from Alan. Um, you know, he, he was a very tough man. Um, but he, he, he told you the truth. And, you know, I was, I was very appreciative of he told me the truth. Sometimes it really did hurt. He called me names I never knew existed. Um, but, you know, all in all, it was down down to him to you know, make sure that we knew what we were getting into. And, you know, professional sport's not easy. Um, it's not an easy ride. So you've got to be prepared to, you know, do the tough tough stuff as well. And, you know, if you don't hear the truth, uh, you can't get better. So you eventually went to Skipper, Queensland, He's captained them to five Sheffield Shields titles, a couple of one-day trophies. Did captaincy come easy to you? Um, not really. It was one of those, I, I didn't want to be, I wasn't seeking the captaincy. Um, you know, you wanted to be a member of the team. I was, I was still struggling to cement my spot in the team. I'd, I'd played a couple of really good years and had a slump and I was in, in the team, out of the team. Um, so I was still fighting for my, my survival, really. And I remember the... The, the, the board, one of the board members came to me and said, right, we're going to make you captain. Um, if it works, it works. If not, you know, we, we find out a lot about you. And, you know, the old saying is captaincy can make you go one of two ways. You either fly or you, or you sink and, you know, you disappear. So I was, I was very lucky. Once again, I, I had guys like Ian Healy um, around um, still, still playing um, 
to, to call on his experience. Alan Border was still playing. Um, Carl Rackerman, very experienced players, cricketers, you know, Queensland legends to, uh, to, to sit there and learn from. Um, so whilst I did it reluctantly at first, um, I grew into the role and I don't, I don't think you're born to do leadership. I think you, you have, you have to learn it. You have to live it. Um, and I was very lucky to have great teachers around me. Um, plus I learned how, you know, it, it's so true when, when you're the captain, the buck stops with you. Um, people think it's the coaching staff. It's, it's actually the captain. Um, you're the one making the decisions out on the field. Um, if it doesn't go well, it's, it's, Balls in your court. So I knew that my performances had to improve. I knew that my relationship with all the players had to be of a standard that, you know, bowlers would run through a brick wall for you because you're asking them to do things that sometimes are humanly impossible um, on a flat wicket to get 10 wickets twice. Um, you're asking them to do that. So I learned, I learned how to, you know, relate to players differently um, through a sports psychologist. And, you know, from there we, we, we had success. But Queensland was always blessed with immense talent. Um, you know, a bit of a you know, bridesmaid for for a long time. But once we won, you know, learned how to win one, we we managed to win quite a few. So it was a it was a great period of time. Ten years I, I was in the in the seat. So um, you know, we had a great time. And then on the international stage, 1994, you made your ODI debut for Australia against Zimbabwe. But at that at that stage, was your game more suited to the shorter format or the longer format? In your opinion, uh, in my opinion, no. I thought I was more suited to the longer format. Um, I was told by the selectors, national selectors, that I'm a, a one day player. Um, uh, I think they just made it up as they went along half the time. Um, you know, I, I debuted, um, wasn't, you know, draped in any, you know, great, you know, didn't, didn't do well uh, in the first couple of games. Um, I remember four games in um, and Mark Taylor came to me just after the, after the toss. You know, he's won the toss, we're batting. He, he walks up to me and says, you know, we've got, we've got half an hour before we go out to bat. Uh, you're opening today. Uh, I'm going to slide down to number six. Uh, all the best. Good luck. Um, that was my fourth game of cricket for Australia. And I thought, well, okay, that's how it is. You know, these days, if you don't get a day's notice, there's, you know, you, there's uproar. Um, I got 25 minutes notice to say I was moving up from number seven or number six to, to open the batting. And, you know, luckily for me, I went out and made 110 um, in my fourth game. Uh, and then reality hit the next game playing against England in Sydney. I was, I was down batting at six or seven again. So, um, it was short-lived. It would have been nice to have had a real run at it in one position. I remember the 96 World Cup. I batted at five for the whole tournament. Uh, occasionally, we used Shane Warne as a pinch hitter. Uh, but my position was consistent. And I, had the, I came back one of the best-performed batters in, in, in the 96 World Cup. And, you know, from that moment on, uh, well, I realised that once you have a settled spot and you know your role, it's it's very not very easy, but it's easier to go out and, and put performances on the board. Um, so yeah, came back the second or third best performed batter on that trip, and next next series, which is only a month later, I didn't even make the squad. So I don't know what I did wrong. Um, a lot of the times, but it was it was an it was an up and down time my Australian career. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, really enjoyed playing against you know the great you know West Indian bowlers, Ambrose Walsh. Uh, Gibson, Bishop, uh, played against Malcolm Marshall as well, right at the end, thank goodness. Um, but, you know, played against Wazimakra and Wacko Yunus. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, it just didn't quite work out for me uh, 
you know, for the longevity side of thing. I played 50 odd one days and one test, but uh, I would have loved to have played a hell of a lot more, but it just wasn't to be. Yeah, so we've got to ask you about that one test match. You made your debut in 1995, coming for an injured Steve Waugh. You got 50 not out. Why did you only play one test? What was the communication like? Did you have well, any with the hierarchy? Well, I still ask. I still ask Trevor Holmes, who was the chairman of selectors back then, too, with a question: you know, Why? Um, and he said, "Well, you had to score runs." And I said, "Okay." Well, the captain declared on me I couldn't do many, much more than what I did. Um, and to be honest, mate, I wasn't keeping out a player, was I? I was keeping out Steve Waugh, who at the time was one of Australia's you know, greatest, um, you know, legend of the, the game in Australia. So for me, to, um, for me to leapfrog guys like that, I had to be you know, playing out of my skin every minute of the day. And at times I didn't, when, I, when the opportunities were there, I didn't score runs in domestic cricket. But having been told you know, before that test match, make it very difficult for us to drop you. Um, I don't think I did too much wrong, to be honest. Um, and they found it quite easy to drop me and never pick me again. So <laughs> um, it's one of those ones, you know, I was bitter there for a while. I really was. I got angry and upset and um, it probably, you know, lost a, lost a few friendships, a few mateships uh, along the way. But, you know, it, unless you live it and go through it, um, you get told one thing and something else happens. Um, to me, that's, I don't like that. I don't like being lied to. Um, I don't like lying to people either. Um, I like hearing it straight. If I wasn't good enough, please just tell me I'm not good enough. I'll go away and try and prove you wrong. But it was never that. It was always, oh, no, go and score more runs. You know, you're nearly there. You, we're just waiting for this and waiting for that. And when the opportunity came, nothing happened. So, um, you know, bittersweet memories of my, my, my Australian career and, you know, who knows, in, in time I'll, I'll be able to sit down and write a, write a book and divulge a lot more information on it and hopefully, uh, hopefully people get a good, good insight into what, what we actually had to put up with in those times. Uh, just one last one on this, Obviously you, you did continue to score a bag full of runs. Um, mm. In the UK, you came over, I'm going to get onto it, just kept churning them out. But um, was there any conversations that you had like, did they keep that with us with the selectors? There must have been. Yeah, there was, there was plenty. Uh, I remember coming over and playing for Essex. Um, my first year, I got sixteen hundred runs in the championship, um, and, and you know, truckload in the in the one day stuff as well. And I went back to Trevor Holmes and said, "Mate, I've just scored this many runs." He goes, "No, no, England England runs don't count. You got to score them back here in Australia." And a couple of years later, Justin Langer went over to county cricket, scored a bucket load of runs and got picked in the Australian team because he had a really good county season. So um, it just seemed to be one rule for one, one rule for another. Um, in my, my, my looking at it back now, um, that's what it felt like. Um, you know, and all I tried to do, yeah, I got, I got angry and I, I got upset at, at times. Um, every time I played it in a, in a county match, that was my test match. Um, because you end up playing against, you know, play Yorkshire, you're playing against Darren Goff and uh, some great bowlers, uh, Andy Caddick for when you play Somerset. So there's the, there's the opening England attack. And if you're scoring runs against them, you're doing pretty well. Um, so that was my gauge. Um, but, you know, unfortunately for me, um, every time I did something, you know, the goalpost moved and someone else got a, got a leg up. Um, you know, I, I would as I say, I would have loved someone just to sit me down and go, honestly, this is what you need to be doing. You need to forget about that. You need to work on this. You need to get better at this. And, you know, then I would have had something to work for. But, you know, to constantly get told, oh, no, score runs, you're doing everything right. 
um, you know, it sends a bad message when you don't get picked. When no one else is scoring runs, you're the next cab off the rank and someone else leapfrogs you. You think, what have I done? You know, who have I upset? Um, you just want to know. But, you know, no one's, no one's given the answer. Maybe before I, I hit the grave, they might, uh, they might have the courage to pick up a phone and let me know what, what actually went on. But till then, I'll, um, I'll, I'll be very happy with what I did in cricket. Um, you know, to finish a career with averaging over 50 in 380 odd games is uh, is a pretty good effort. I know you mentioned the also the 96 World Cup. Australia got to the final, fortunately came short against Sri Lanka. But from a mental perspective, playing in such a high profile, high pressured game, how was that as a player? Well, mate, to be honest, um, you know, no, no disrespect to the Sri Lankan team, but we played the semi final against the West Indies in Chandigarh and. You know, I walked out to bat at three for seven. Um, you know, we're in a, we're in absolute strife, and to to come through and just you know be able to put together a partnership with Michael Bevan. You know, we we put a score on the board that we ended up defending. Um, so going into the final, you're, you're pretty confident, knowing that you know you got the might of the West Indies bowling you know thousand miles an hour on a wicket that didn't bounce much, but still skiddy and, and what have you, they're, they're fast enough to, to upset you, um, to come through that uh, and, you know, contribute, you know, a great deal in, in that semi-final gave me great confidence. And I think we, I think we messed up the, the, um, the, the Sri Lankans got us by, you know, they outsmarted us at the toss. Um, I think we won the toss and batted. They were going to, they were going to bowl anyway, because at night time when that dew hit the ground in Lahore, um, it was 35 degrees during the day and it was about four degrees at night. So the, the dew when it hit the ground was about an inch, inch deep. Um, I remember the ball going over the outfield and I was fielding it out in the boundary. You could hardly see it. Um, and the ball rolling on the ground had a massive fan tail coming off it like a speedboat going across a lake, you know, the big tail that comes off. Um, Warney couldn't spin it. We couldn't swing it. You know, McGrath couldn't seam it. Um, and the, the Sri Lankans just absolutely blitzed us. So, you know, credit to them, mate. They they played they played the conditions better than us. We didn't think about you know that in depth. We just thought our our way is the best way, and we ended up getting uh, getting absolutely walloped. So, um, you know, full credit to Aravinda played a, a absolutely you know breathtaking innings. Um, one of the greatest players going around. So, um, you know, it was a hats off to them. You said that we also mentioned that you came over to England, played for Essex, I think 1996. You scored eight and a half thousand championship runs. Would the highlights be the 97 Nat West final and the 98 Benson and Hedges? Uh, yeah, with Essex, um, you know, there's a lot of highlights at Essex. Um, you know, it doesn't, highlights don't necessarily come with success. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've poured my heart and soul into Essex. Um, you know, I've got. I got recommended by Alan Border, so I knew if I came over here and didn't do well, I was going to, you know, cop a clip around the ear when I got home. So I knew I had to perform. And um, you know, Essex, there's there's a lot lot of talk about the way it ended at Essex, but believe me, it didn't end badly for me. I, I I've still got great mates in in Chelmsford uh, around Essex. Um, I love going back to the ground. It, it just brings that back so many great memories. Um, you know, my time was my time was up. You know, they they wanted they wanted me gone, and um, I had to move on. But that that final, the Benson and Hedges final, was a was a great day out to to chase down one seventy in in no time with my great mate Paul Pritchard, who got fifty odd at the other end. Um, 
and then to Benson and Hedges the year after. I didn't score any runs, but you know, um, it was it was an interesting one for me. First time that a, a game had gone into the next day. You know, we batted first and the rain came and we we came back and finished it up the next morning. But um, any time you win a trophy, special. Um, the NatWest probably tips it because um, I was I was lucky enough to to win Player of the Match and you know presented the trophy by uh, you know Sir Garfield Sobers. So um, pretty nice, pretty nice touch. And you know Essex was great. You know I got my highest first class score at Essex against Somerset uh, at Chelmsford. So you know, I've got I've got some great memories. Great mates still there. I still you know when I when I can catch up with them. Um, bumped into Graham Gooch last year and had a had a great chat and. You know, did a charity night for him. So um, look, I've got no animosity from this side of the fence. Um, it might be coming from that side, but nothing from here, mate. Just a word on the on the ending. I know it's, it's been well documented. The differences would be the word, best word to say with Ronnie Irani. Was it Nasser saying as well? So just a word. Oh, on that. Yeah, look, no, they. Yeah, they, they were they were they were in charge of the club, so they wanted to go in a different direction and. I just didn't fit into their plans, and that that was fine. You know, I I didn't it didn't hurt me. It it didn't upset me. Um, I would have loved to have stayed at Essex because you know it was a great place to bat, great place to play cricket, great place to live. You know, <laughs> you live in Essex, you get a at least you get a summer. Um, get moving up to up north in into Manchester, you, you didn't really get a summer. It was winter all year round. But you know, it was it was one of those things, mate. You know. Um, clashed, personalities clashed, um, agendas changed. Um, I didn't want to captain the team. I just wanted to play. Um, I know some sections of the membership and some sections of the, the, the committee room wanted me to captain because I was captain of Queensland and successful, but I never wanted that. I just wanted to go and enjoy myself and play cricket. Um, and the way I enjoyed myself probably didn't, um, you know, wasn't looked too too fondly on by, by the guys in charge at the club. And, you know, with, with that... You know, there was there was a great bunch of young players who I spent a lot of time with and what have you. It was it was just a shame it ended the way it did. But once again, it, it wasn't down to the fact that I fell out with anyone. Um, it was just a, just a change of you know guard and circumstances changed. Um, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't required, so I had to move on. And then the move to Lanks. Um, mm. How did that come about in terms of who did someone approach you? How how did, how did the move come about? Well, I'll tell you what, Neil, um, it, it did start. Um, my wife, I married, married, married a girl from Lancashire. Um, she's from Liverpool. So uh, it, was, it was always on the agenda to, to look to go home to, you know, to her, close to her family and friends and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it just so happened Essex were playing Lancashire at Old Trafford. It was around September, I think it was, or August. They had Murley Duran and... I remember during the first innings, I, I spoke to Warren Hegg, who was the captain. And it was at the time when John Crawley had fallen out with someone at Lanks or, and he was moving to Hampshire. Um, and I, I just said to Warren, I said, I remember, I remember asking him, I hear you're looking for a number four batsman. And he said, oh, yeah, well, we might be. We're not sure, blah, blah, blah. So I got, I got 100 not out in the first innings of the championship. Um, Came out in the second innings, got 100 not out in the second innings. And I remember still asking him all the way through it, um, you know, are you sure you're not looking for a number four batsman? And then I got 100 in the uh, in the one-day game, the 40-over game, uh, the next night. So I got 300s in four days against them. And as I was walking off from uh, the third 100 in the 40-over game, we said, mate, um, hang around, we'll have a chat at the end of this game. So uh, that's how it basically started. Um, 
it just through a bit of jest and a bit of fun. You know, this day and age, it'd be sledging, um, not banter. Uh, it'd be sledging. But, you know, we were we had a chat. We had a beer at the end of the day's play. And, you know, by the by the time I'd you know, got back to, to Essex, it was basically not signed, sealed and delivered. But, you know, the talking had begun and, you know, the, the option to move there, which once it was offered, I couldn't say no. My wife was really happy going back to being close to, as I say, family and friends. Um, it became a perfect fit, and you know, I I absolutely love I love Manchester. I reckon it's one of the greatest cities going around, and you know, I, I enjoy enjoy going back there. We're, we've actually just bought a bought a property there again now, and you know, moving back there for uh, for good. So can't wait. Then how do you sum up your time uh, on the playing field there? Just came up short um, on the trophy front, unfortunately. Yeah, we did. Um, there was a lot of times. We had great battles with Sussex. Sussex were, you know, the the, the championship winning team in that era. Um, you know, anyone with Mushtaq Ahmed, you know, taking 100 wickets every season, um, you're going to go close to winning championships. And they had, they had good batters around them too. And, you know, well led by, you know, a rough, tough, you know, Chris Adams, you know, good captain. Tough batter, um, but just a fierce competitor. So we had great run-ins with them, and I remember getting we, we came second a couple of times to, to Sussex, and once was about by about five points. Where through the season they'd lost you know two hundred overs of play, and we'd lost about a thousand. I'm, I'm sure that in out of the thousand overs, we could have made up you know six points somewhere um, to win the championship. And I happened to say that somewhere along the lines, and. He took offence to it, saying we're just not good enough, and whatever. We weren't. We got to a final. Um, you know, once again against Sussex, they beat us in that uh, CNG Trophy final uh, at Lords, um, which was disappointing. We got the semi-finals of, you know, the T20 stuff. Didn't quite manage to win a trophy, which was, which was, you know, not great for me. Um, I'd love to have, you know, won something for Lancashire, repaid the faith, but, you know, still. Still put my heart and soul and sweated blood for the county out in the cricket ground, and you know we we got close and just not quite just not quite good enough at times. Um, but the real win would have been the championship chase where we we had to chase 485, I think, against Surrey at the Oval last game of the season. We had to win it to um, to win the championship, and we had to get about 430 on the last day, and um, we finished 20 short, which was heartbreaking, but. Uh, you know, well, fight, fight to the end. You know, we we never gave up. We we kept kept playing the, to win every time, um, and that's that's what I'll I'll hang my hat on with Lancashire. We we always tried to win every game of cricket we played in, and you know, if we didn't do it, we weren't good enough. The other team was good enough to beat us. So, mate, it's still great memories. And as I say, I love going back. It's different now going back to the ground. It's completely changed. Um, you know, and it looks an absolute picture now. It looks fantastic. So. You know, it's a, it's a great place, great memories again. Um, you know, I've, I've got fond memories of everywhere I played, to be honest. But you know, in, in England, pretty special uh, playing at Test grounds, and you know, Lancashire's up there. Old Trafford's one of the one of the iconic grounds in world cricket. And then the move into coaching. I know you left Lancs in 2008. You had a little stint with Derby, but then linking up with Trevor Bayliss as assistant coach for Sri Lanka. How did that come about? Um, I rang, I rang Murali, uh, and I, I knew that they were looking for someone and I played with Murali, played against Murali in international cricket, county cricket. Um, and I knew they were looking for an assistant. I rang him and I said, mate, what's, what's the go with this assistant coach? And he just, 
he, he spoke to me for about 10 minutes and then, you know, hung up. And then half an hour later, Trevor Bayless gives me a call and said, we'd love you to come and, you know, work, work with us. Uh, it was leading in 2009. It was leading into the 2011 World Cup. Uh, and I thought I had a, what a great opportunity to work with some of the greatest players in the world. Um, you know, Murali Duran, Lasith Malinga, Sangakara, Mahela Jaya Wardner, Sanat Jaya Surya, um, and the like, you know, Dilshan. Um, so to, to go there and, and, and experience something completely different um, was, you know, not, not planned, but it just happened to, happened to work out that way. Um, just so happened, I, before I got the call from uh, Trevor Bayless, I, I just managed to arrange uh, a batting coach gig with Middlesex. Um, I'd just spoken to Gus Fraser and we worked out a, you know, a plan that, okay, I'll, I'll work 70 odd days a year and uh, come in at this time and that time and whatever. And as soon as I, we didn't, once again, didn't sign anything, just a, just a, a verbal agreement. Um, I got the phone call on the way home. I was driving home and I had to ring Gus straight away and said, look, mate, I'm really sorry about this. I've just been offered the, the assistant coach's role with Sri Lanka. And, you know, credit to Gus. He just went, mate, well, while you're talking to me, off you go, enjoy it, go and, go and do it. So I'm very glad, very glad I did. Um, I learned a lot, you know, working under Trevor Bayless. Um, you know, he's one of the, one of the most understood or well, misunderstood blokes, I reckon, going around. Um, such a great coach, very thoughtful bloke, um, but very calm and collected. I learned a lot from him about demeanour around cricket. Um, yeah, what makes that, him such a great coach? Obviously, he's had the success with England. Yeah, in your opinion, he's just one a great. His attributes. He's just a good bloke. You know, his knowledge of the game is you know second to none. But you know, people rib him because he hadn't played the highest level. But he played a he played a New South Wales team that basically was a test side, and he was good enough to play in that one. So, mate, he basically played for Australia every time he played first class cricket. Um, but he, just just the way he he goes about. He's from the country, very quiet, very shy. Um, you know, keeps himself to himself. But when he speaks, he, he actually, you know, he makes you sit up and listen. And, you know, that's a, that's a rare quality uh, this day and age. He, he doesn't say much, but when he does, it's, it's really worth listening to. And um, just, to, just to watch him, you know, work about his cricket. He, he had fun with the young kids. You know, he said, look, you've got to treat them like you, they're your sons. You know, they, they are. They, you, they're in your charge. You, you've got to look after them on and off the field. Um, and you could see him interacting with them, mucking around, t- telling jokes, playing jokes on them. They were playing jokes on him. And just the relationship was, was outstanding. And I think that's, that's part of him just being so relaxed. Um, nothing really bothered him. If, if someone upset him, he'd go, oh, well, that's all right. I'll just I'll move on and we'll, we'll work out another, another way to get about it. Um, you know, such a... He's a different character. He's not everyone's cup of tea, but um, I really enjoyed working with him. He was great. Yeah, as I said, you got to the final in 2011. Um, after that tournament, you, you had a little stint as the interim coach when Trevor Bayliss left. And then you got the opportunity to work for Bangladesh. Um, were you ready to take the the lead as the head coach? Uh, looking back now, no, I wasn't nowhere near it. But... I, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person you don't learn until you actually do it. Um, you know, you, you've seen coaches that you've had through the through your playing time. You pick pieces out of them, you know, saying, yeah, I'll do that. That's that, that's really good. That works. Or no, I'm not going to do that. That that irritated the life out of everybody. So you don't do that. So you get get an idea of what 
players do and do don't like. Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't quite ready. I wasn't a hundred percent ready for it. But I thought, what a great challenge! Um, you know, right out of your comfort zone, living in a place like Dakar, which you know, to a to a young Aussie boy, um, you know, is completely different to what you're used to day in day out. Um, but I, but it really did. It really helped me grow as a person more than anything. Understand you know, what, what life's really all about because it's, it's so confronting walking the streets. Um, you know, we were, we were able to get around and, you know, we we're lucky enough to have, you know, a driver assigned here because you can't drive in the traffic over there. It's mayhem. Um, but to get out and around and see the, see the country was, was an eye-opener. And you know, I'm, I'm really glad I did it. I'm glad I worked with guys like, you know, Mushfiq Rahim, Shakib Alassan, um, Tammy Mikbal, you name it. Those guys, they were... Uh, unbelievably talented at that time they probably didn't realize how good they could be um and slowly over the last you know five to ten years they've they've shown the world that you know they can compete against anybody in any conditions and you know young Mushfiq he's he's mighty mouse you know he's he's only a little bloke but geez he packs a punch and you know, I just just love watching him go about his cricket he, he loves playing he loves playing the right way and um it, it was good for me it really was I, I enjoyed it um might not have been ready for it, but uh, you know we we started having some success and we didn't win a win a trophy or or a series. But back then Bangladesh weren't supposed to, um, and we got to a final of an Asia Cup. Um, we played Pakistan, who the big brothers of Bangladesh, uh, and we should have beat them in the final. We should have absolutely you know walked it in the end, and unfortunately we just didn't have that knowledge of winning, and you know we 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 fell short, but. To get into an Asia Cup final was probably, you know, the biggest achievement um, they'd had for for a number of number of years, um, and it was it was nice to be a part of. And then also you had the stint, eighteen months stint, working as the head coach for West Indies. How was that? Um, and also just a word, obviously they're touring the yeah. UK um, in the English summer. Uh, a word on how you think the series will go and players we should look out for. Oh, look, mate. You know, two years I was there with the West Indies, um, and it was probably the the greatest time I've had uh, in cricket as a coach, uh, working with you know the the young, talented uh, Test players was was such a such a treat. It really was. Um, it's it's a misconception they don't like cricket. They absolutely love cricket. They all want to play Test cricket. Um, T20 is the big focus and they're very good at it because they're, they're extremely powerful, naturally gifted athletes. Um, but if you can harness that ability and, you know, power and what have you, and, you know, temper it and get them a bit fitter so they can do it for, more, for longer, um, you know, they'd be a force in any form. So, no, it, it was really great. You know, I was, I was fortunate enough to, you know, spend a, a lot of time with them. Um, and, you know, we, we actually had... Had some, you know, good successes. Won some series. Uh, won a famous match in, in at Headingley. Um, and look, they they've still got some talented boys. They they um they're going to be one tour better off too. Coming here this time, know what to expect. Um, I think the fact that they're not playing a day night test match is going to help because um, that was the one that we played first at Edgebaston and England blew us away. Uh, you know, very difficult. You're not used to playing day night games. Um, you know, it, it it's very very off putting if you if you get off on the wrong foot on day one, um, it's hard to drag it back. So, look, I think guys like Kemar Roach is still he's going to be a major threat to to England. He, 
skillful with the ball, swings it both ways. It, he's not express pace anymore, but he's he's fast enough to give you give you enough trouble. Jason Holder's been one of the best all-rounders, if not the best all-rounder in world cricket over the last couple of years. Shannon Gabriel's coming back now. He's he's a massive part of their plan. If he if he can stay fit or get fit, and if he can bowl his 95 mile an hour all day, um, you know he'll 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 test the English batting lineup. Um, young Azari Joseph is is one of my favourites. He he swings the ball at good pace, uh, and they've got a new kid, Shamar Holder, who. Bowls again, good pace, tall kid. Yeah. Um, not a massive swinger of the ball, but bashes it in and at real good pace. So, you know, Shea Hope still leading the batting attack. Um, you know, he's he's a class act. When he when he goes, it's it's worth paying your admission fee just to watch him. Um, Craig Brathwaite at the top of the order, being you know the um, the the old guard, um, and they've got a couple of new young kids coming through. So, you know, it, it's it's a it's a quite a balanced attack. Um, to be honest, a uh, good team. Um, you know, if they can get everyone fit and strong and healthy and, and remain healthy for the two tests, three tests, um, you know, geez, they, 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 can, they can cause an upset. Um, and I think England found that out in the Caribbean when, you know, people say England took them too lightly or did this and did that. I don't think so. I think that West Indies were up for a fight and they came and everything they tried came off. So there's no reason why they, the West Indies can't do it again. And then in beginning of 2019, you took the reins as the head coach of Middlesex. Mm. How is it coming back into county cricket, but this time as a head coach and with the resumption of cricket imminent, um, the aim aim for the season? Yeah, look, um, I really I really enjoyed, I love county cricket. I reckon county cricket's one of the best competitions domestically going around, if not the best. Um you know, it, it teaches you a lot about yourself. You know, you, you learn to play tired, which, you know, a lot, lot of people don't don't realise how tough that is. Um, you know, playing shield cricket, you always had a build-up to the game. You had a t- chance to recover and then build up to the next game. So you're always quite fresh. Um, county cricket didn't really have that chance. It felt like you were going to bed with your pads on some weeks. Um, so to come back into that understanding that it's going to be tough, um, it, it was great. You know, we got a great bunch of your lads here at, um, here at Middlesex. Um, they're very driven. They're very, very um, you know, determined uh, to get things right here. Um, Middlesex don't, you know, according to these guys, don't deserve to be in the uh, second division uh, along with their membership. That, that's what they firmly believe as well. Um, so it's up to us now to, to to get it right. And you know, we we showed some good signs last year. Um, didn't quite, you know, get the batting right at times. Uh, our bowling was okay in, in spurts but um you know there, there may have been reasons for that so this year we're we, we were looking for a, you know, a bit of a bit of a fresh start fresh attitude new ideas um and you know when when we get started again look can't wait to get started again first of august um depending on the formats but you know it's still an, an opportunity opportunity to win two trophies and i want our i want our players to come back thinking like that it's not just great to get back and play some cricket it is, but there's also something meaningful to, at the end of the summer to, to strive for. And you know, if you can pick up one trophy, two trophies, you, you can hang your hat and say you've had a hell of a hell of a time. Twenty twenty has been an interesting year, but at least we got something to show for it, which would be great. Any young players that we should look out for? Yeah, look, I don't, I don't like putting the <laughs> the raz on people or pumping them up too much. But you know, we have got you know Max Holden's one of the you know. He's been a 
touted as an England player of the future uh, for, for a number of years now. So is Nick Govins. Um, we've, got, uh, we've got a kid coming back from, he was on loan at Derby. Tom Lace comes back into our, into our lineup. Um, for me, uh, the, the excite, exciting one is Martin Anderson. Um, you know, he's, he's Swedish or Scandinavian background, um, but he, he can bat uh, and he bowls pretty handy, medium pace as well, but uh, just a level-headed kid for his age. And, you know, he came into the team last year and we were in disarray in, at Old Trafford against Lancashire and, you know, we were nowhere in the second innings. He peeled off 92, deserved 100, the kid, but um, just missed out on that. But just watching him bat, looked like he'd been playing county cricket for 10 years. And, you know, that's that's a good sign that a young man can do that. Great shots as well, wasn't wasn't it, you know? edging them through third slip. He was back foot driving and whipping off his pad. So uh, it, he's one that excites me. Um, you know, I, I think he's got a bright future. I reckon he can go all the way and you know be there for a long time. Perfect, Stuart. Really appreciate your time. Uh, fantastic insight into your career. And all the best when the, when the season resumes. Yeah, thanks, Neil. No, it's been a pleasure, mate. Uh, hope it goes well for you too. Cheers. So Neil Cagram, Cricket Last Stuart Law. Thank you.